It is the 200 level episode 133, Husker Du. Famous band from back in the 80s. Well, I say famous. I guess they're a little more underground, but I've been waiting to use this name for a while and to get a U with an umlaut on it. So finally, we have a title with an umlaut, which we were discussing on Saturday's podcast during the Illinois Rutgers game. How were we going to title it? We had Uno, and then Harry busted out Unio with an Enye above the N. We talked about umlauts and uh, accents and all sorts of craziness. And instead, we just went with 1-1-1. Not our best title, but it'll do. So for today, we're just going with Husker Duch, D-U. I think they're from Minnesota. Alternative rock kind of thing from back in the 80s. Regardless, we have a game on Saturday, which is not to get hyperbolic here, but maybe it. For Lovey Smith. If you win it, you are still on a trajectory to maybe turn this thing around and change the narrative on the season. If you don't, then that's pretty much it. You would be one and four with Ohio State coming into town over Thanksgiving weekend and Iowa and Northwestern waiting after that. And I look at those three games and wonder, well, where's the win? I don't see any wins in that. So this is the most winnable game on the schedule. Bad matchup and all. This is the most winnable game left out there based on talent, based on the fact that you have competed for the most part against Nebraska in the last two years. So maybe you are duh, but uh, there's the other part of it too, which makes me a little bit leery entering this game. And that is the fact that despite a win at Rutgers, we still know the faults and the weaknesses of this team, which are many. And as, as excited as I am with Isaiah Williams' performance, that masks a whole host of issues. And we'll be getting into football, including including Surly Lovey. And I want to be careful, as a preface, I want to be careful to not get into the business of make, making mountains out of molehills and parsing through every single word that a coach says when really all that matters is what they do on the field. But there is a quote that I'm going to play for you guys from a press conference on Monday, Lovey's weekly presser with the media. You know, that cutthroat champagne urbana sports media. It's nasty down here. It's second only to Philly in terms of how ruthless we are. I'm going to play some audio from that later on and let you kind of decide uh, if I'm making too big a deal out of it. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where as a Bears fan, I distinctly remember the death march in 2012, which that team was 10 and six. You could have done worse than that team, but they were seven and one before finishing three and five in the last eight games of that season. And as that progressed and you kind of saw the writing on the wall and they missed the playoffs, it got ugly including between Lovey and Lawrence Holmes for 670 the score. He was on the beat for the radio station back then, and it got testy. And I recall some other Illini coaches, specifically Ron Zook, at the tail end of his career when he got testy with, I think, Shannon Ryan at a press conference. So we're going to get into that, and this is what happens. You know, these are the little things that happen when the success on the field is not all that much to write home about. And instead, you get into these press conferences on Mondays, and it's kind of a slog for everybody. I've long wondered for beat reporters, sports beat reporters, how it can't become very tiresome doing the press conference thing, whether that be the Mondays after a football game or just post-game press conferences where you don't get home until God knows what hour. And a lot of times, depending on the coach, depending on the personality, it can be rinse and repeat. Like, just imagine covering the end of the Weber era and how awful that must have been. You know, you kind of like the guy, but at the same time, you know that 
It's not going to be fun to cover it. Well, it's probably not all that much fun to cover this unless there is a drastic turnaround. That could happen, right? Do I anticipate it? No, and I don't think most Illini fans do either. So even as we sit here, eight days away from the opening of the Illinois basketball season, and we will talk about them, as we should, because we need to be getting excited for it, this is still going to be very much a podcast focused on Illinois football because that is something which, hey, you got to give it to them. They got the one against Rutgers. That makes Saturday's game that much more intriguing. The death march would have begun Saturday afternoon had they lost that game. Well, they didn't, and now maybe the death march is just on hold until they lose their next game. And if it happens to be Saturday and it happens to be in a decisive way, that could really be the beginning of the end. whole lot of things to get to, though. Before we do, got to let you know the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike, M-I-K-E, for, let's see, I about said 10% off your order. That's for fourth and curvy. No, $5 calzones. Now, if you've ever had a calzone from DP Doe, you know that's a ridiculous deal. Take it from me. That was our college thing. We got done with the bars, ordered some DP Doe, but that kind of does it a disservice because while some places are only good when you're drunk, DP Doe is good whether you are drunk or sober. This is really good stuff. And $5 calzones delivered anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, that is a hard deal to beat. So go to dpdoe.com, use coupon code Mike at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby. Now, this is the 10% off using coupon code 200 level. We got coupon codes up the wazoo here. They got plenty of vintage inspired Illini apparel at fourthandkirby.com. I got a few t shirts. There was a crew neck sweatshirt, navy, with an orange Illinois script font from those retro basketball jerseys last season. That is just one of many different awesome options they have. And as we come into Christmas season, this is the place to go to. For Illini apparel that is high quality and looks great, go to fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. He is our guy. Me and Kara, we went with uh, Brian and his staff as we got new homeowners insurance and auto insurance bundle with that. You know the prices are going to be great because of State Farm. That's a given. But when it comes to working with an insurance agent, you got to be able to trust him. We've known Brian for a while. It was our first time working with him. And uh, this is the Carpenter's stamp of approval. It was as seamless of a process as you could ask for. And uh, we know we're in good hands. So brianismyguy.com. Cannot recommend him and his staff enough. That's brianismyguy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. A lot I inquire. Of course, at IlliniInquirer.com, and they are the place to be as we get into the nitty-gritty of this football season, and then, of course, the beginning of basketball season. Great staff over there, and Champagne Showers Podcast Network, of course. Uh, really excited to be a part of that group of really cool local podcasts, including Elizabeth Hess, I Have to Ask, great interview podcast, and The Champagne is also a band podcast, which interviews local musicians. I've been on that. Been a lot of fun doing that with Sven. All right, so those are the formalities. Uh, one more, ratings and reviews. Even three-star reviews, because we love those. The five-star reviews are great, too. One-star reviews, we'll take them. But it helps us get discovered on Apple Podcasts if someone types in Illini. So whether you got something good or bad to say about us, we love to hear the feedback regardless. And uh, the ratings and reviews just help us find our way to people as they go to Apple Podcasts, they type in Illini, and voila, there's the 200-level form. So appreciate all of those who have done that so far. We have over 100, which is pretty good. That's pretty damn good. And uh, it... It's a huge help as we're trying to find some fresh ears. So thank you for that. Uh, let's see. Twitter, Fanboy Carp. You guys probably know that already, but it's been fun to interact with people, including on Sunday. And I woke up and didn't have a whole lot of emotions or feelings from the game that came the day before. 
that Illinois Rutgers game, we had a good time on Saturday. It was fun talking with Isaac and and Trevor and Harry and enjoying it a lot. I win, which it had been well over a year. Well, just over a year. Let me not get hyperbolic there. Just over a year since they had their last win at Michigan State. So six-game losing streak, gone. You win at Rutgers, a team that had looked fairly decent. Yes, they won at Michigan State. Uh, They competed at Ohio State. And let's see, what was that second game? I guess against Indiana, they were okay for a quarter or two. But you're starting to see now as the season wears on, it is still Rutgers. Not as bad as last year. Not historically bad, right? But it's still Rutgers, and that is a process that Greg Schiano is going to have to undertake. But as I asked the fans, my Twitter followers on Sunday, what they were feeling after getting a night's sleep and thinking and reflecting on that game, the general consensus and I'm paraphrasing here, but this goes for most everyone that responded to it, was that, hey, you know, we're happy for the kids. We're excited about Isaiah Williams. But at the end of the day, the final product is just not good enough. This is year five. You barely eked out a win at Rutgers. And it was only, only because we had lowered the bar after the first three games that winning at Rutgers felt like a surprise. Consider this. When we came into the season and we were trying to prognosticate wins and losses, not a single one of us, at least, you know, you'd have to be extremely cynical about this team. And I was pretty damn skeptical at a minimum. But I said, that is a win. You need to be able to mark that down if you're going to have any modicum of success. Well, they got that win, but the context matters. They got that win after starting 0-3, including two losses at home against Purdue and Minnesota, that as the season wears on, that's not going to look good. So yes, by the skin of your teeth, you won at Rutgers. But the lasting appeal of that victory? I don't know. How much lasting appeal is there? As this week has gone on and as we get ready for the Nebraska game, the Rutgers game might just be merely a blip and a fun one. And for three and a half hours on a Saturday, despite some frustrations for a good chunk of that game, they made it a fairly entertaining second half. I will say that it was a entertaining second half and they didn't look inept so much as You had a young quarterback in there. The defense kept you in it. Rutgers quarterback almost single-handedly kept you in it with his decision-making, but you got the win, right? And that's what matters. But again, long-term, it doesn't matter all that much. And I think Nebraska is going to be one of those games that could very quickly make you forget about what happened the week before and bring it all back home. You know, winning cures everything, but also depending on the type of victory it is, it can mask a lot of issues. And I'm willing for a week. I'm willing for a week to suspend the larger long-term discussions about Levy Smith, or at least ease up a bit on it, because it is a tiny bit of wait and see after you are now one and three, and you can go two and three if you beat Nebraska on the road, right? I guess we will take a slightly bit of a wait and see approach, but we also, I think, need to be realistic about the most likely outcome here. Now, last year when they were two and four, we would have said, myself included, the most likely outcome was that team was going to have the bottom fall out from them and maybe they would win another game or two. But the three and nine or four and eight was likely. Well, instead, they won six. They went to a bowl game. But that was the exception. We've talked about this. That month, that four-week stretch, that was the exception to this five-year trend that we have with Lovey Smith. So as we get ready for Saturday, another early game, Looking forward to that second half podcast with the guys. We're going to have fun regardless of the outcome. And there is intrigue in that I fear for the worst. I fear for the worst of this game because of the matchup, because the offense that Scott Frost runs, because of the fact that you have given up over, I think, 1,200 yards 
combined in the last two meetings against Nebraska, including pretty much 700 last year at home. And that was a game, keep in mind, last year where Illinois came out busting their ass. I mean, effort was not in question for that entire game against Nebraska last year. And you had, what, a two-score lead for a good chunk of that game. But even with that lead, you didn't feel like you were going to hold it. Now, if correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think Adrian Martinez was still the quarterback for Nebraska back then. He is no longer the quarterback. They got a better one now, at least in the eyes of Scott Frost. And that's probably accurate because Martinez, for his good points, he was inconsistent. And you saw last week with Penn State. And yes, I know Penn State is 0-4. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to anybody. But you know the talent level that James Franklin has on that team. And Nebraska kind of schooled them. Yeah, Penn State got back in it. But that was only after being down three scores for a good chunk of that game. So Nebraska is no joke. We're lucky that we're playing at a Memorial Stadium in Lincoln that will not be packed with fans. That's the closest you're going to get to any advantage playing in Lincoln. But I don't know if that's good enough. I don't know if that's going to be enough. They have now tape on Isaiah Williams. They, like everybody else, has tape on Brandon Peters. So if Peters comes back, what good does that do you? I guess it opens up a few things, but that doesn't make me feel like, oh, great, we're going to win this one. And the defense, right? As decent as they were against Rutgers. And I'm saying decent because, again, context matters. That was Rutgers' offense that you looked okay against. Well, what does that translate like when you were facing now Nebraska's offense, which has overall been pretty good under Scott Frost. So all those things lead to what I fear for Saturday. We try to project what the spread was going to be, and I was a very conservative, like eight and a half, nine points. The other guys, they were like, yes, seven. I was like, wow, seven? Well, sure enough, Vegas says no. 14, two-score game. And we'll see what that fluctuates, up or down. But I'm thinking, you know, if I could bet on Illinois sports, which I cannot in the state of Illinois, couldn't even bet on the Northwestern game, Northwestern-Purdue on Saturday, even though I would have liked to. But if I could, I wouldn't. I can't trust that spread. I can't trust this team to not let things get away from them. And they were fortunate that it didn't get away from them against Rutgers. It could have, and to their credit, it did not. But how much of that is to do with the opponent? And how much of that is to do with Rutgers' quarterback handing you the ball? And Rutgers' offensive coordinator, as I was talking about Jeremy on Monday, deciding, well, even though we're running the ball effectively for much of this game, we're just going to go pass happy at the end of it, even though it's tied. And all we need is a field goal to win this stupid game. Well, listen... You take the breaks where you can get them, and you capitalize on them like Illinois did on Saturday. I'm not going to take that one away from Illinois, but it it is important, I think, to consider all the factors that went into that. And there was some luck, you know, much like the four-game win streak last year. There was some luck, and it happened to bounce your way. We'll see if that happens Saturday. Intrigue, yes. Optimism, no. And as we continue to go through the season, what I was talking about in the introduction was... Lovey Smith and the way that he speaks and the way the coaches, I guess, in general might speak when, if not the writing is on the wall, uh, the cracks may begin to appear, right? I think we're in cracks beginning to appear mode in terms of how much faith do any of us have that Lovey Smith's still going to be the coach next year. And that is a fair discussion to have, including during a pandemic and all the financial realities. I'll try to get back to that point in a second, but I don't want to belabor this too much. I want to get to this quote. And this is from the press conference on Monday. It was Robert Rosenthal from Illini. Now, for those who don't know Robert, and most of you probably do because he's a pretty popular follow among Illini fans, he is a fan. You know, I'm fanboy Carp, but he's 
he's really kind of the fan side of especially Illinois football. That's his thing, more so than even Illinois basketball. He's got a press credential, and he carries himself professionally when he goes to these games and and when he's at these press conferences and acts as a journalist when he does these things. So during a press conference, like anybody else, he decided to ask Levy a question, this in regards to the quarterback position. But again, Levy knows Robert's deal. You know, he's a fan, right? So even though Robert is acting technically in the capacity of a journalist, it is very clear that Robert is not itching to go on his website and write something negative about Lovey or his football program, right? Coaches, for whatever reason, have this weird paranoia about sports media types, that they're out to get them. They're out to get their job. Even in this, you know, tongue-in-cheek, cutthroat environment of Champaign-Urbana sports media, right? I mean, for whatever reason, we saw with Ron Zook, he was super paranoid here the last year. He thought all the people were out to get him. He thought Shannon Ryan was... <laughs> gunning for his job. I don't even know, but it it turned into some really kind of nasty press conferences. So this is audio from Monday. Robert Rosenthal asking Lovey Smith a question about the quarterback position. Coach, I'm curious about the the quarterback decision this week. You have a player who won the, you know, freshman of the week in the Big Ten and and obviously had a great game, but you've got a senior starter coming back. How do you approach that? You go with two guys. I know you're not going to name a starter or anything, but uh, how are you looking at that after Isaiah's performance? Well, I mean, you can't answer it all your questions. I can't listen to all your comments. Uh, what, is there a question in there? Yeah, or is that just the rest of you, you want to keep going with your comments, some more suggestions, or exactly what are we we're looking for here? Uh, I, I want to know how you're approaching a decision of a quarterback who, you know, may have to go to the bench after a performance like that. Well, what I see is that. Uh, we had a court, we have a, our starting quarterback that's been out and he's available this week. That's a good option. Uh, what I also saw is what our, our other quarterback was able to do this week. Uh, of course, I'm not going to, you know, say what our game plan would be. I would say that we have, uh, you know, some good options going on, going into this week. Uh, that's what I would say. And we're excited about that. We haven't practiced yet this week, so we can't wait to get on the practice field. We have a good plan as we go into Nebraska this week. And how much are you involved in that decision with Rod on, you know, say maybe even in the game of of switching quarterback? As a head football coach, all decisions go through me. Let's make that clear. All right. So I'm involved. Everything good and bad that's happened around here comes through me. Other questions? That's it. Okay. Well. Not the first time Lovey has reacted like this. Lawrence Holmes, Lovey Smith, quite the tit-for-tat they had back in 2012 when he was the Bears coach. Robert Rosenthal is asking a very reasonable question there about the quarterback position, which is really kind of the only narrative that anyone really cares about. You know, the defense, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Find me another player in the offense that is really going to grab a lot of column space in a newspaper or any space on blogs or anything like that. No, it's about the quarterback position. It's about Isaiah Williams and Brandon Peters. That's the story. That's why Robert and really probably anyone in that press conference asked something along those lines. Now, could there have been a bunch of questions before that and Lovey was just sick of answering it? Maybe. I don't know the context, but you know what? When you're paid three and a half million plus dollars a year to be a head football coach in this community, which does not exactly have the toughest sports media environment, and this is how testy you're getting, with the self-professed fan, Robert is very honest 
about the approach he takes as a writer when he covers these games. He's very honest about that. Lovey knows at least that much. He knows at least as much that Robert's not out to get me. He's not out to get this football program, and yet he responds like that. I'm not going to call Lovey a name, but I will say that that is acting like an ass. It's acting like an ass to another adult, another human being, that is asking a fairly innocuous question. Or actually, innocuous would mean that it's not really interesting. I think it's an interesting question, but it's harmless. And there are ways to deflect. If that's what Lovey was trying to do, and as someone had said on my timeline, I want to make sure I, I attribute this, it's Matthew Stevens. He is uh, the publisher, editor of Illini Now, which is a Sports Illustrated online branch. And he said, you know, Lovey's just not a very funny guy. And I would agree with that. I cannot think of one time where Lovey has made me laugh. And that's... He's not alone in that. There aren't many coaches that do, despite the guffaws and the cackles that you'll see from the throng of sports media, as Pat Fitzgerald makes some comment about, well, back in my day, we didn't have cell phones, and everyone laughs their ass off. Why? I don't know, because it's not funny. But I will say Pat Fitzgerald is probably funnier than Lovey. It's a low bar, but I'm just saying he probably is. So yes, that was Lovey. If you listen back to that, it was him trying to maybe be funny and turn it into, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I say that. I don't know. I don't know what Lovey's deal is. Can I be honest? I don't know what his deal was with the Bears after the Super Bowl run. Things got very, not fun, very quick. They did. And it zapped the fun out of being a Bears fan. Where by the time you moved on to Mark Trustman, as disastrous as that was, there was still a little bit of a sigh of relief that you didn't have to deal with Lovey and his persistent stoicism about everything. And if you're winning, again, it doesn't matter. If you're winning, I don't care if you go to quarterback club. If you're winning, I don't care if you're kind of an ass to the sports media people on Zoom or in the actual press conference room. I don't care. But the fact of the matter is, you have failed here as a head coach. To this point, you have failed. So there is no reason that he gets to go up there, not a podium, but go onto his computer and act as a representative of the university that I went to, that I grew up as a fan and will be a fan for the rest of my life. There is no reason that he gets to act like that. Listen, Tim Beckman might have been a goof. I cannot, and listen, I'm not trying to play, you know, prisoner of the moment here and attack Lubby without holding other coaches accountable. He's not the only coach that would respond like this by any stretch. But Tim Beckman, uh, he was kind of harmless just by nature, but I, I cannot remember many um, contentious exchanges. I'm sure there were. That's, again, probably being a prisoner of the moment. But, you know, Lovey kind of has a track record of this. The Ron Zook thing immediately comes to mind at the end of that 20, 2011 season where him and Shannon had that, I say, back and forth. It was really just Ron, Ron Zook being a jerk is what it was. And then that got caught by Deadspin. This is not something that would get caught by Deadspin, par- partially because you're irrelevant, but also because there are worse things that coaches have said to people. But I don't get what what looks to me quite simply as disrespect. It's being disrespectful in your answer to a respectful question. And that's unacceptable. Sucking on the field's one thing, but come on, go out with a little bit of grace here. <laughs> I think Lovey might recognize that and maybe it's informing a bit of how he talks. But then on the other hand, this is how he tends to act. There is a holier-than-thou kind of aura about Lovey. 
and you love it when you're winning. Again, that's the caveat for all of it, right? You love it when you're winning because you're like, man, Lovey's a great leader of men and all these sorts of cliches that we continue to heap on him, a man of integrity and things like that. Well, listen, I'm trying to think in my professional environment with other teachers, for example, or even my students, you know, and that's a different relationship than coach and media types. But I think coaches sometimes view the media the same way that teachers do their students. Like they need to teach the media something. But even if that were the context with which he was approaching it, I don't talk to my students that way. I don't talk to adults or kids that way. I don't do it. Maybe he feels emboldened because of the position he's in, the power that he has in that position. I don't know. But you don't do that. I can almost guarantee dollars to donuts. Love that expression, by the way, that Robert Rosenthal has not been (laughs) openly hostile to Levy Smith. And the most he's probably done is criticize the product on the field, which is fair game. Fair game for the love of God. I mean, what we're seeing on the field week in, week out is very deserving of criticism, even from quote unquote fanboys like myself or Robert. And even though Robert and I are probably coming from different perspectives here. I mean, I I cannot put as much emotional investment and energy into the Illinois football program of all things as Robert can. That That's something where even I'm like, wow, how does he muster up that much enjoyment or passion for this stupid program? I want to, but I just haven't had enough reasons to do that. But nonetheless, it's just, it's not needed. There's no point to it. It's disappointing. You know, we, we see the writing on the wall. We know what's likely to happen. Rutgers game aside, that was just a blip. And then everyone woke up on Sunday like, oh, God, that really did suck. And really, I mean, text I was getting from friends and family afterwards, like, oh, they won, I guess. You, you could kind of sense even the immediate aftermath of that game that, you know, we can enjoy it right now in this moment. We can enjoy what Isaiah Williams did. But the larger issues are still all the play, right? This is ma- merely kind of kicking the can down the road until next week at Nebraska. And it's unfortunate on so many levels. You know, it's unfortunate that we have this little sound bite that you may be thinking, well, Jesus, Carp, you made that big of a deal out of this thing. But to me, it's more symptomatic of the entire Illinois football experience. And go back to the moment when you found out that Lovey Smith was going to be coach. Even for us Bears fans that maybe had some Lovey fatigue at the tail end of his tenure in Chicago. But the moment you found out about that, there was genuine excitement. And I'd go so far as to say joy and relief. Oh, my God, we're actually playing with the big boys now. And then at the end of the day, you know, four or five years later, here we are, and we feel just as small and puny of a football program as we ever have. Lovey Smith or not, his whatever cachet I thought he was coming in with, it didn't really translate to feeling like you belonged. And instead, this kind of exchange just takes me right back to 2011, which it probably would have been about the same time, mid-November, though that would have been coming off of like week 10 for Ron Zook, and this is coming off week four. But that feeling of, oh man, we're backsliding here. This is it. And then we go through the inevitable coaching search and all this stuff again, which as much as I want Lovey to be gone, because this thing's not going to work long-term, there's just no evidence to support that. As much as I want that, there's that inevitable, oh, crap. We got to go through a rebuild again. We got to go through the coaching carousel again. All this stuff that you think is kind of fun going into it. And then you strike out on this guy, you strike out on that guy, and then you just hire somebody and then it's, it's whatever. Now, 
That might not be giving Josh Whitman enough credit. He did tweet out, and, <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. He tweeted out congratulations to the guys on Saturday. He did not specifically mention Lovey, which may be worth looking into, that the language that he uses going forward has more to do with the team and the players, and he does not specifically say congrats to Coach Smith, right? That would be a poor choice of messaging given where this team is at. It's totally fine that the athletic director is going to congratulate these student-athletes. I say student-athletes, Harry would slap me. Uh, these athletes for doing what they did, uh, getting the first one of the season, and that coming after a struggle. Three weeks of struggle, right? That is worth tweeting about, but notice the reactions. Notice the replies to these things. It seems like every time Josh Whitman is going to tweet something out in support of his own athletic program, I get the popcorn ready and just let the replies roll in. This coming from someone I have been often referred to or viewed as this sort of snarky, skeptical jerk about Illini sports, but I I tend to avoid these. (laughs) I tend to avoid these. Uh, this is just some of the, I'll, I'll read you his tweet first. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. He tweeted out proud of these guys been through a lot between the last win and this one, lots of heart, all caps, and lots of fight, all caps in this team. Congrats to the fellas onto the Huskers hashtag victory, Illinois blue diamond, orange diamond and flexed arm emoji from Brian. A W in spite of terrible clock management and choices to play not to lose rather than going for the win. Of course, you're the AD and have to be the number one fan, but don't let your heart trick your eyes. That's a fairly sincere reply there from Brian. This is from Amy. Josh, a last second win over a bad Rutgers team is nothing to celebrate. So we won one game this year and won't go winless, but no other game the rest of the year is likely to win. So I'm fully expecting one and seven in year five of the horrible fire, horrible higher than hashtag fire lovey. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Trying to find some other ones. Uh, you bugging. This this is all caps. Bro, we still want Lovey fired. Stop ignoring us. It's what's best for the team and the program unless you want to be in the dirt every year. From Mike, excited to see what a new coach will do for the program. This program isn't going anywhere. Nick says, I'm a big fan of Rutgers lacrosse as well. I'm not sure what that has to do. And Randall, Lovey has to go. Yeah, so you see the occasional congrats to the players. But as time goes on, as time wears on here, you're noticing that vitriol is finding its way into very kind of vanilla tweets from the athletic director. He's just doing the athletic director thing. Congrats, guys. Way to go. Way to go, fellows. Way to persevere. And we don't want to hear that crap in year five when you're one and three. And you might, as I forget what her name was, but she said, you're likely on the trajectory to one and seven, barring an unexpected upset victory. And I know, according to Vegas, you it was an upset against Rutgers, but that's really just because of how bad and how bad you've been just as much as it is Rutgers being a little bit better than we thought. So the rest of the schedule gets harder. We just got done with the easiest three game stretch of the year and you finished one and two in that three game stretch and you didn't look particularly great in any of them. So yeah, no people don't want to hear that Josh. Like on one hand you are the messenger of the athletic department and you are trying to represent these guys that were in the same position as you were. As a student athlete, I can respect that, right? And you might say, well, Carp, do you expect them to not say anything at all? And that would be unfair probably of me to do, right? That would be unfair. But this is where we're at. We are now at the position where any time that he says anything remotely positive about the football program, people immediately say, Josh, be quiet. We don't, we don't need that right now. And I kind of get why that is. 
because, you know, Saturday's game ended, and well, it was Rosie's second birthday, so we celebrated that. Made a little dog birthday cake in the shape of a bone. You know, that was honestly more of a highlight on my Saturday than Illinois beating Rutgers. Well, I say that. Of course it is. I love my puppy. But <laughs> but in a bigger year, in a more meaningful game, it would have been like, wow, my Saturday is enhanced. But I don't feel like my Saturday was enhanced with that win. Was yours? It might have made it slightly better, but did it last until the next morning? We know what that feeling's like. You know, we know what that feeling is like to get a win on a Saturday that is satisfying and fulfilling, and then that carries over for the rest of the weekend. But I don't think we could really call Saturday's game that. So where do we go from here? That was actually a title of a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I think that was post Wisconsin, right? And I don't know; these weeks run together just because it's just been a blah football season. We're we're halfway through it. We're halfway through the damn football season already. And if you ask yourself, well, what are your takeaways? It'd just be simply, well, we are good. We could analyze it up and down, but at the end of the day, that's that's the that's the big critical analysis right there. We are good again. Whoop de doo. This is to me the litmus test are some friends of mine that are much more casual fans than me. That they come out to the lots and they're there for the party. And then they text like midway through the second half, like, God, this is hard to watch. That is the course I've seen more than anything. This is hard to watch. And it is. It's easier for me to hop on Zoom with Trevor and Harry and Isaac, and we can goof off about it, you know, especially after the Wisconsin game. That one, we actually came in with some genuine excitement. But when you enter a game like Rutgers, and I felt like a passive observer, it was a weird, almost out of body experience. Felt like a total passive observer eye in the sky sort of thing without any heart or emotion or investment truly in that game. So when I'm getting these texts from people, I just say, yeah, 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 probably right. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And it's also one of those things that when the mic shuts off and when we are doing this podcast, I don't really have a desire to talk about Illinois football and general conversation. It's just, there are far more interesting things going on and far more things that I'm just interested in period than this football team. That's a shame. I hate that. You know, for someone that comes down here and has already spent 34 minutes talking about Illinois football, I would like to be more emotionally invested in it. But instead, it just kind of, it is what it is. It is what it is. One more point to this. Champagne Showers, they have their own Twitter account. I'd recommend, if you don't follow it already, do so. It's at 217 Showers. And... We've been having a conversation about the optics of firing a coach during a pandemic, given the financial realities that all these universities are facing. South Carolina, they get rid of Will Muschamp, Muschamp, whatever, screw it. And it's a $15 million buyout. Now, that's not the case here. If I recall, I think it's $2 million plus whatever remaining salary. So you're looking at... $2 million buyout and then next year's contract. So I don't know. It's it's basically peanuts compared to what South Carolina has to pay. And if you get a donor to ante up, you're going to be fine. But this is a fair point from Champagne Showers. They said and the optics of it just are bad. You know, the university's probably bleeding money. And here we are, the DIA is spending this money to fire a coach and go out there and hire a new one. That's not going to look good. Now, the point I was making 
is that the DIA operates under their own budget. Now, it's still a part of the University of Illinois, so we can't act like they are total separate entities, but they do operate on a separate budget, much of which is funded by either Big Ten money or from donors, right? The iFund, things like that. And in this particular instance, the most likely way that this would play out is you get the buyout secured from a mega donor. Let's call it a mega donor. And then next year, you're paying the next coach as much, if not less, than what Lovey Smith was going to make anyway. Essentially, your budget doesn't go any higher up than it would have if Lovey stayed as coach. The buyout came from elsewhere, and your annual budget for football staff is the same. I think that's the most likely outcome here, and it's doable. I don't think the optics are all that bad. Would there, of course, be people saying, well, how can you justify spending this money during a pandemic? Yes, and they would be right. Morally, there is something to be said for the fact that we continue to pump this much money into our revenue sports. And yes, they're called revenue sports because they generate revenue, right? But specifically for Illinois, this football program is not generating enough revenue to justify or, or winning enough games to justify paying Levy Smith this much money, right? It is an abject failure when you consider the return on investment for Levy Smith. But you know what? The longer you keep them, the more money you're going to lose. There is an easy argument to be made that long-term, you are putting yourself in a greater financial hole by keeping Lovey Smith and not just paying the buyout now and moving on. Because imagine this scenario. If you go, let's say best case, let's say best case, three and six. I don't know how they win two of their last five games, but let's just say they do. And they get a nice matchup against a crappy Michigan team. Let's say they play Michigan in that ninth game. Coming into the year, I would have thought that'd be a good thing. And they finish three and six. Okay, they beat Michigan or Michigan State or I would, I'd say Maryland, but that team can score at will. Imagine that stadium next year after going three and six. Lovey's back for year six. The recruiting, you just lost a linebacker, presumably to Coastal Carolina. Three-star kid who incorrectly used the no love lost, which that means that you never had love to begin with. He said, no love lost, Illinois. It's like, no, that means you didn't like us to begin with. Whatever. Just let the kid be, be a kid. But you're looking at a situation where the stadium is just paltry attendance. Fan apathy is at an all-time high. Not interest, but fan apathy. Jay Lehman addressed this with Jeremy last week. This is an alum. This is someone that went to a Rose Bowl, was an All-American. His credentials in Illinois football history, they are secure. He has every right to talk about it. And he had to cover the game on Saturday. He had to do color commentary, and he still felt compelled last Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever they recorded that, to be very critical of where things are at and offer the warning that if you keep this going, if you just, la, 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 we're going on with Lovey Smith for year six, people will check out. But more frightening than that, the longer you go with this failed experiment, the more likely it is that you're losing an entire generation of potential fans. I've addressed this on the show before. Think of Duke football pre-David Cutcliffe. Okay, post-Steve Spurrier. He was there for a little bit, right? And pre-David Cutcliffe. And when they were just objectively terrible each year. Now, fortunately for them, you got Coach K in basketball. And hopefully Brad Underwood, if he can start recruiting in 2021. It's a little frightening, right? But we'll see. He can build something long-term enough where we know that each year we can bank on, yes, basketball's coming back. And really, that takes me back to when I was younger. You know, middle school, elementary school, Illinois football didn't mean anything. 
oh, it's November, Illinois basketball starting. We're fine. That was our identity. So we can, we know as Illini fans, we can exist in that reality. Good fo- good basketball program and a crap football program. But you know what? It was extremely difficult for Duke to get back to some sort of relevance. And as we've seen with David Cutcliffe, it's been difficult to maintain it just because they are historically known as a bad football program. And the effects that that has on everything, on recruiting, on fan interest, because you feel like the shoe is always going to drop. The other shoe. Is that it? Is that the terminology? The other shoe is going to drop? Whichever. <laughs> As an Illinois fan, it always does feel like if you taste success, it's going to be taken right away from you. I've been trained to think that because of the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl and the inability to follow it up the next year with simply a bowl appearance. Not even a return to a BCS game, but just making a damn bowl after either of those. And Ron Turner couldn't do it. And Ron Zook couldn't do it. So it feels like whenever we taste it, it's fleeting. And that keeps people from investing long-term in the program. And the more that goes on, you're asking, hey, Carp, well, would you ever want to become a season ticket holder and iPhone member? No. Why? Why would I spend money on this football program? Fortunately, my parents have been, I'm going to sound like a freeloader here. Fortunately, they've been invested in this for so long that, you know, the basketball thing, that would be something that, yes, my sister and I have talked about going in together, keeping this in the family and making sure that we have our place at the State Farm Center for the rest of our lives. And that is going to be a priority. Absolutely. But for football, hell no. There are people that have to consider spending the bare minimum buying one horseshoe ticket, for example, and just keeping their points in the system so they can go to the basketball games and keep that good seat. That is a dilemma that many Illini fans are facing because they realize this football program is just kind of, you know, well, bad. Why invest in this specifically? And the more this goes on, and if Lovey Smith comes back for a sixth year, you're telling people you are accepting your place as a crap football program. Pandemic or not, that is as much as sports could have an existential crisis, as much as a sports program could have its own existential crisis. Basically, why are you here? Why do you exist? Illinois football could be facing that if they don't make a move. Is that hyperbole? You know, I, I do all that and it sounds really impassioned and all that. Could you bring Lovey Smith back and then he has another bad year and then you get rid of him in 2021 and then you can turn things around? Of course you could. But it does feel like the longer we string this along, the longer it takes to get back. And if Josh Whitman, and Jeremy pointed this out the last uh, Mondays with Mike from last week, and I hadn't considered this, but it's the truth. If he applies the same measuring stick to football as he did basketball, when he fired John Gross, he said, you know, 2005, that was coming up 15 years ago. It was five and then 10, now close to 15, and we can't let it get to 20. We can't let it get to 25. Well, if you use the same sort of evaluation system for football, it's an easy choice. This is a no-brainer. And there's very little that this coaching staff is going to be able to do, barring a miraculous turnaround, competing against the likes of Ohio State at home, and then somehow beating Iowa or Northwestern, or both. I don't know. But we know that's not going to happen. So... Why waste time on that hypothetical? Why not move forward? Now, I, I have not started a coaching list. I have not. I've always thought that Jeff Munkin would be a very interesting idea from Army. Triple option at Illinois. Why the hell not? Nothing else has worked. Let's go triple option. You got the running quarterback to run it effectively. 
for at least three years with Isaiah Williams. Got some decent running backs. Hey, you know, you'd at least have a system and an identity. And I don't know if that plays in the Big Ten or not, but I'll take seven and five and a triple option attack. I will take it. So if Jeff Munkin is my little dark horse candidate, has been for the last two years, I doubt that happens and I would understand arguments against it. But no, I don't have a coaching list. I, I don't know uh, if you go the coordinator route because if you think about it, Lovey Smith, former NFL head coach. Bill Cubitt inherited that position from Tim Beckman, who was a Mac head coach. I don't know if you go back to the Mac well again. I think some people like the young coach from Akron, but, you know, whatever, or Kent State. I See, again, it all blurs together. You go back to Ron Zook, former head coach. I don't know. Maybe it's the coordinator route. When you look at the success that, um, what would it be? Well, take Pitt, for example. When they hired Narduzzi from Michigan State. Pitt has been, eh, they've been fine, but they have an identity, right? You go with a proven coordinator, someone that can immediately instill some sort of identity, even if it isn't the prettiest product, at the very least, you will become respectable. And Pat Pat Narduzzi, if I recall, his name was out there when you ended up getting Beckman. You could have went the coordinator route long ago and solidified this thing, but you didn't. I was thinking pie in the sky, Jim Leonard up at Wisconsin is this, what is he, 34? 36 years old, defensive coordinator up there. But you know that he's probably going to become the coach in waiting at Wisconsin. And that even if he came down here and Paul Chris leaves in another five years or so, that's where Leonard would go. But I do think, well, that would be an outside the box hire. Someone that is super young, but you know what? That could work. And uh, I I don't know. (laughs) Have you made a list? I'm trying to think here. Me and Brightweiser had tiered list back at the end of the John Gross era. We were both Conzo guys. Good thing we were wrong about that. I think overall it's going to pay dividends that we got Brad Underwood instead of Conzo. But we were Conzo guys because of the pool of talent that was in the St. Louis area back then. And we thought Conzo at the very least is going to bring the talent here and it would work. I think it probably would have to an extent, but the ceiling is probably not quite as high as we could have under Brad Underwood. So happy to be wrong in that case, right? But for football, yeah, I have not really considered. And I guess it's about time to start doing that. We got plenty of time for that, though. And the coaching carousel will probably be fairly light if you consider the fact that, yes, schools are certainly going to think once or twice about making a move in this financial climate. And that could play into Illinois' hands if they choose to make that move. I don't think it's much of a choice, barring the unforeseen. Well, you know, we didn't even get to basketball, but I tell you what we will do later this week. Uh, we will be talking, I believe, with Lon. Okay, we have it scheduled for Wednesday as long as his work schedule lines up with my lunch hour. And that conversation will certainly be getting into Illinois basketball because that would be one week from the day when basketball season will start. So Lamont and I talk, fingers crossed that that'll work out for both of our schedules tomorrow. Uh, We'll get that up probably Thursday for you. Saturday, we have a post-game podcast for Illinois, Nebraska. We'll start in the second half at some point with Isaac, Harry and Trevor, the whole gang. And next week, ooh, here we go. Look at my chops. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Three basketball games. All of them apparently will be televised. We don't have the details or the game times yet. I'm off school Wednesday, so they could play that game at any time Wednesday, and I'm going to be ready to go for a second half post-game podcast. Thursday, we'll take it off. It's Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family. But Friday, same thing. So you can count on two post-game podcasts next week, Wednesday and Friday for two of the three Illinois basketball games. Illinois-Ohio State football, ugh, 
I guess we'll do a post game pod, but by the time we'd hit record, it'd probably be 49 to 10. And what's the point? Unless we just want to turn on the mics and make snarky comments for an hour and a half, which we could do that. We could do that, but we're getting busy here. I need to thank you listeners so much for, um, first off sticking with us through the summer when there was an absence of sports, but now that the sports are back and even though the sports, Illinois football specifically aren't great, the listenership has gone way up predictably. So, and, uh, really, really do appreciate the comments, the feedback, the interaction, the fact that we have a lot of repeat listeners, people that tune in every time we drop an episode, they're listening to it within the first 24 hours. So, hey, if you can do me one favor, my Christmas wish, tell a friend, word of mouth, that still works. Yeah, I talk about Apple pod- podcast ratings and reviews. That's nice and everything. But tell a friend. You got an Illini fan? Say, hey, 200 level podcast. Carp, yeah, he's a little bit annoying sometimes, but you know what? You might enjoy it. That would go a long way. But thank you so much for your support. I really do mean that. And this year, when you need to focus on things that you're grateful for, uh, I I am grateful for you because I, you allow me to continue doing something that I have enjoyed doing since I was 16 at 107.1, Alani Drive at 5, through 93.5, and now through this. And it's easy to get kind of, you know, I've, I say prisoner of the moment quite a bit, but I really enjoy doing this and seeing you know, this podcast kind of shift and evolve into something that when I started it just over a year ago, I could not have guessed it would. So that is very much a credit to the listeners for taking that chance with me. All right, before we go, got to thank DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com. Coupon code Mike gets you $5 calzones. Are you kidding me? $5 calzones. It's a deal. I think I may need to partake this weekend and uh, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So I know that COVID-19 is getting bad. Please stay safe and healthy out there. One way you can do that, let them bring the food to you. DPDO.com, coupon code Mike for $5 calzones delivered anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. You know, you want to shop local? You want to help out small businesses, mom and pop businesses? Do that for Christmas fourthandkirby.com. You will not regret it. It's great stuff. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Great domain name, Trevor's favorite. And hey, I got to say, for me and Kara, our favorite insurance agent. Well, listen, Lante, it's 1A, 1B, right? Juan and Brian, you could trust both of them. But I will say for the homeowners and auto package we got from State Farm, Brian and his staff, super helpful. So we appreciate that. All right. We're going to be back probably in just a couple days. We'll talk with Lon hopefully tomorrow, as long as the schedules work out. Get that out to you Thursday. And then, of course, we got Saturday's postgame podcast. I mean it, though. Stay safe and stay healthy. This is pretty scary stuff, the way things are going. And we got to do what we can to get this damn basketball season in. If that's the approach, if that's the mindset you need to take, we got to keep Io and Kofi and Trent and all those fellas healthy. If that's what it takes, use it. But more importantly, stay safe, you and your families, and uh, we'll talk to you in just a couple days. It is the 200 level.